Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode number 123 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Miller Park as the Brewers wrapping up their homestand against the Kansas City Royals this afternoon. The crew coming into this afternoon's game 46 and 32. They are 14 games above 500. The season high, of course, 15 games above 500. They've been there a couple of different times over the past month or so. The crew with a two and a half game lead in the NL Central as they get ready to go on the road to Cincinnati for a four game road trip against the Reds and then coming home for another week against the Twins and Braves and then one more road trip and then it'll be the All-Star break. That's how fast this season is going. Well, some news and notes for you from a Brewers standpoint. Lorenzo Cain on Tuesday was placed on the 10-day disabled list. Tough news for the crew, of course. Kane with that groin injury, having one of the top seasons of any outfielder in baseball this year. He's among the league leaders in almost every offensive category and, of course, playing that gold glove caliber defense in center field as well. With him going down, Keon Broxton recalled from AAA Colorado Springs. Broxton, 263 and nine home runs and 35 RBIs in his time in AAA so far this year. Boone Logan was released as well on Tuesday. He had been designated for assignment a week prior. So those are some of the different roster and 25-man news for the crew. The Brewers winning Tuesday night against the Royals 5-1. Freddie Peralta dealt again seven innings, a hit and 10 strikeouts for Freddie Peralta against Kansas City. In four starts, Freddie Peralta putting up some historical numbers. We'll put that in context for you coming up in Sabermetrics 101. And if we're talking about statistics and we're talking about guys that are making a name for themselves right now, how about Jesus Aguilar? The Brewers starting to put a lot of attention on Jesus Aguilar in terms of all-star game and how he deserves to be a part of the all-star game in D.C. in July. He is not actually on the all-star ballot, but should in many people's eyes, be deserving of a reserve spot uh, for the NL All-Star team. Here's why. He hit his first home run on April 19th. That was the walk-off home run against the Marlins. Since that point, so since April 19th to now, and this was coming into Tuesday night's game, hitting 288, 16 home runs, 50 driven in. Well, of course, we now know that he has 17 home runs because he hit a 17th on Tuesday night. Coming into Tuesday night's game, an OPS of 959 over the course of that span. That would be in the top 10 in all of baseball uh, if you factor that in for the full season. So since Aguilar essentially started playing on a regular basis, he's been one of the top 10 hitters in all of baseball. Here's some more numbers for you on Jesus Aguilar. This really could have probably applied to Sabermetrics 101, but we did Jesus Aguilar for Sabermetrics 101 last week, and we're going to do Freddie Peralta this week. Against fastballs going into Tuesday night, a 367 average, seven home runs against fastballs this year for Jesus Aguilar. The batting average goes down a little bit against sliders. A little more swing and miss in there against sliders, but he has so much strength, he is still hitting for a lot of power against sliders. Going into last night, 250 average, and you can now say five home runs off of sliders because he hit a home run on Tuesday night off of a Jacob Junis slider. Also doing good damage against the sinker. 
four home runs against the sinkers so far this year for Jesus Aguilar. Really some incredible stuff from the big guy who is turning a lot of heads with the play that he is putting together and the season he's putting together here in 2018 for the crew at first base. Here's what we have coming up for you. Adam McAlvey of MLB.com is going to join us. We're going to talk about the crew with him. I told you we got Sabermetrics 101 looking at the historical start to Freddie Peralta's career. Then we're going to check in on the farm. We're going to take you through what has happened on the Brewers minor league side of things. And we're going to talk to Brewers lefty Cam Regner who started in the Carolina League All-Star game last Tuesday night. Then we'll tell you what's coming up as well. That is all straight ahead here on Brewers on Tap. Let's jump into it with Adam McAlvey. Let's break it down. As Brewers on Tap continues, we break it down with Adam McAlvey of MLB.com. He covers the Brewers for MLB.com. And this team off to the start that they would have wanted at the beginning of the year. They've dealt with their fair share of injuries, Adam. But the depth that we talked about a lot in the spring has been what has carried them through all of those situations for the most part, it seems like. Yeah, if I was Craig Council, I would begin every session with us reporters by looking at us and saying, I told you so because he probably deserves that. For six weeks in spring training, we asked him probably at least every fourth day about having too many outfielders. And here we are, it doesn't feel like they have too many outfielders. For like a tiny stretch here when Eric Thames came back, maybe it did. Right. And Domingo Santana was the odd man out. But look, I, I mean, performance-wise, he wasn't, it's not like he was doing everything he could do and he got, you know, bad luck taken out of the lineup. He was not performing. So it was a pretty easy move, I think, for Craig Council to play Eric Thames some of those games in right field in Pittsburgh, for example. And, and Thames is, you know, searching for it a little bit himself, but still has shown that pop at times. So um, depth is, I think, and this goes back to when they got Kane and Yelich. I think we all have to change the way we think about how GMs build teams and the Cubs, Dodgers, Indians recently are the clubs that stand out to me as the examples of this. They have too many guys for too few spots, and yet they're winning or in the World Series. Yeah. The Cubs with all those infielders, what do they do with Russell and Baez? Oh, my God. And, and Zobrist bouncing around. And the Indians with all their interchangeable parts. The Dodgers with all their interchangeable parts. Um, I think that's what David Stearns was looking at when he, was, when he got Kane and Yelich. You try to get above – Average players at as many spots as you can, preferably guys who can move around a little bit, and then you just let those pieces fall where they may. And so far, the pieces have fallen to spots where the Brewers have needed them. Yeah, it's it's when you talk about guys moving around the, the diamond, I think that's a great point too. It's something that Craig Council's talked about from the start with him, and 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 David Stearns has talked about it too. Position versatility being a big big key. And those teams you just pointed out, I mean, think about what Chris Taylor was, what he is now, and, and how the Dodgers are able to use him. We've seen Javi Baez play in the outfield. We've seen Ian Happ play all over the field for the Cubs. That's just that's more and more the trend right now, specifically in the National League, and it seems like the best teams have guys that are able to do that. A couple of years ago, we were talking about Aaron Perez. Now you're talking about more and more guys on the Brewers roster that are able to do those things, which is going to be interesting to see. How do you feel Brad Miller fits in to this team right now, now that he's here? Well, I want to see him play shortstop. I'm really curious how this looks. He played shortstop, obviously, in the major leagues, but he sort of, when you said, how is he on defense, the answer would be like, well, he was a really good hitter. <laughs> so, you know, let's see if he can hold that position. Um, and then let's see if David Stern starts looking. I, I mean, you and I have chatted about Manny Machado a little bit. I thought it was kind of crazy. But if you think about it more and more, um, and they really get into a go-for-it kind of mode, maybe it's not all that crazy if they really need somebody there. Um, I think it's notable that Tyler Saladino was out 
running around today on the base paths and was very proud of himself for doing so. And it sounded like it went really well. He's going to do it again um, and stack a couple of those, then go out and play some minor league games. And, you know, maybe he's an option again. Um, but I think, I think ideally Brad Miller is that piece that bounces around. He gives you a start here and there, gives you uh, maybe a bat off the bench, but I'm not sure that David Stearns looks at him as, you know, a plug and play every day kind of guy. But we didn't think Jesus Aguilar was that guy either. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's room for us to be surprised by a guy who's had success in the big leagues in the past. Speaking of Jesus, a lot of talk about him being deserving of an all-star spot uh, in the Midsummer Classic coming up in July. And the numbers would seem to back that up, especially if you prorate it through the full season. Really, he didn't become a regular until about April 24th. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing that happening. I mean, first base, we, we saw it here. I mean, all those years, even Prince Fielder sometimes had a hard time getting in because first base is just such an offensive position. And you know, I was just looking looking at the guys. I mean, you're talking about Freeman, Votto, Goldschmidt, Belt. Mm -hmm. oh, and off. a month ago, you wouldn't have thought Goldschmidt's numbers deserved it, yeah. and he's hit like 15 home runs in a month. And, he, and he's Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think – his nickname's America's first baseman. Yeah, so, well, there you go. And he's so, in Washington, D.C., you need Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I mean, I, I it, it just gets hard when you look at um, just the guys that are there and the production that's theirs. It, you know, and I think Hater's an all-star for sure. Um, I think Kane goes. Mm -hmm. um, I think he deserves to go for sure. I think Christian Yelich has a good case. Jesus Aguilar just might be that guy who has the case to do it, certainly the numbers to do it, and just doesn't get to go. Um, for him, I think he'll just take the playing time here. Thank you very much, because for him, the last couple of years have been a fight to get an opportunity to even get in this discussion. And that starts with getting the at-bats. Um, that was always his trouble. In Cleveland, he was blocked. In Milwaukee here, he was blocked. On opening day here, he looked blocked. I mean, how many, how many teams even have a third-string first baseman? And that's sort of what he was at the beginning of the season when they thought Ryan Brown was going to play there a bunch. So give him credit for seizing an opportunity and whether or not he actually gets to go to Washington, D.C. Um, he's proved himself to be a, an everyday major league player, you know, for somebody, whether that's here long term or whether it's somewhere else in, in the future, or whether it becomes an asset to move for something else. He's he's shown that he warrants at bats in the big leagues. And, and I don't know this. I don't think anybody knows this at this point, but I'd be surprised if one of those names you mentioned aren't part of like a final man vote at yeah. some point, too, because with the Brewers having the top record or one of the top records in the National League, I would guess they'll try to put somebody in that conversation. And even though Aguilar is not on the official all-star ballot, I think he could be in a final man vote if it came to that as well. I'm not sure how those rules work. I, well, I think it's okay, so let's yeah. just say. Okay, we're going to say we're going to be – the commissioner, we're making that call. All right, this bullpen's been great. Uh, I think we know that. A lot of people keep talking about the innings. I think Craig Council's been really smart about it, though. You can look at the innings as a as a whole and make one – you can make a deduction from that. But I think the other part of it is there's so much depth in AAA as well that they've been able to rotate fresh arms up there. And I don't think the stress on the bullpen has been maybe as drastic as some people when they just look at the stat sheet and see how many innings pitch – relief pitchers have thrown i agree with you and you know i've covered enough baseball seasons that there's always a little grumbling on the side about you know the dry humps they call them where they get a guy up in the pen and then don't get him in the game and there's always one or two guys that that happens to a lot and then it's that that takes a toll you hear none of that with this group um i have not heard anyone talk you know even just on the side anything about 
you know, feeling like they're overused. Um, it's been interesting. I asked the question early on, you know, what's more taxing, more appearances or more innings over fewer appearances? And I, I, I think to me, it's the appearances are probably the more taxing. It's getting up, it's getting hot, yeah. getting in a game and then sitting down after one inning, even if it's 10 pitches, that to me seems more taxing uh, than what they're doing with Josh Hader, where it's a two inning appearance and then two days off and they're giving him that break because they want to protect him into August. So I think that's been a success of this team. And if we're going to, we always do the unsung hero, the BBWA guys, we get to vote on this mm -hmm. at the end of the year. To me, the unsung hero is that whoever's riding the shuttle, you know, it's a group of guys. It's Hauser, Lopez, Woodruff, Alec Asher was in there mm -hmm. at one point. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody who's come up. And then the odd thing for those guys is the worst thing that can happen to them is they get in the game. <laughs> yeah. Like they get in a game and they pitch a couple innings and then they know they get called in. And these guys, at, the, at this point, they know right. that they're getting sent down. But they've, you know, again, there's no grumbling there. I think those guys have just taken it for the experience that it is. You, you enjoy those big league days that you get. And, you know, the big thing is, you know, you're going to be back. So those guys have quietly gobbled up a good chunk of innings in games where, um, it prevents that, you know, uh, we need an inning from Taylor Williams just because we need to get through this game. They're pitching Taylor Williams on days they want to pitch him mm -hmm. and um, Jeffress and, you know, all those guys. And I think that over the course of a long season is going to pay some big dividends for them as they get late. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be interesting, too, with that, Adam, as as it gets late there may be more internal options that they can utilize in that bullpen too. I mean, clearly we know in September when rosters expand, there may be some options, but there, there may be some other uh, Corbin Burns starting yeah. to pitch out of the bullpen. Now, might he be an option to make that bullpen, which has already been so good and so deep a little bit deeper. And there's more guys they can pick from. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's talk trade deadline because yeah. it's coming to that time. And I think every time I talk into a microphone, it needs to be about the trade deadline. Absolutely. Um, the debate is, do you go out and, and spend some of your minor league pieces to get a starter? Because traditionally, that's what GMs do at this time of year, right? The Brewers have certainly have need in their rotation. So they could easily plug a guy in and he would fit. Is it worth spending those assets to get a guy when you have just shown a pattern of, you know, you get us five decent innings and you've done your job as a starting yeah. pitcher? Or do you save those minor league assets and try to cover those innings like they're doing so far with Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff and, you know, Suter bouncing back and forth. I'd put him in there. Corbin Burns, you mentioned he's getting his, you know, dipping his toes in the relief pool. There's nothing to say he can't come up and start and bounce back and forth, you know, wherever you need him. So I think there's a legitimate debate. It goes against kind of the way that the trade deadline has always worked where, you know, the good team that needs a starter goes out and gets Justin Verlander. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, David Stearns could do that. Right. Uh, we'll see. But I think there's at least an argument, a counter argument to be had that we don't, you know, the way that this team is built, maybe it's wise for the Brewers not to, you know, drill down into the farm system the way you'd have to do to get a guy like that. Maybe you try to fill it within. Um, it's I, I don't know the right answer. I, no one, I don't know what David Stearns is going to do, but um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about as we start to get in that season. Well, Adam, we appreciate it. We could go on for a long time, but we'll, we'll cut you off there. You got a game to cover, so we appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. See you, Lane. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. As we break down the numbers on Freddie Peralta, these are numbers that really nobody's ever matched in many ways. Here's a couple of the things. 
to keep in mind with Peralta. He is the first rookie in the live ball era with 10 or more strikeouts in two starts during the season. One or fewer hits, and the Brewers' first pitcher ever to have two such games in their entire career. He's done it in four starts. That's how incredible Freddie Peralta's performance has been so far. He's also the first pitcher since 1908 to allow three or fewer hits and strike out five or more batters in each of his first four appearances in the majors. He is holding opponents to a batting average less than 100. He has been absolutely outstanding. And here's one more for you. In the latest MLB.com top prospects list, top 100, Freddie Peralta didn't show up in the top 100. That list is wrong. I think we can all agree on that. Freddie Peralta putting up some incredible numbers. We can continue to, to break down the numbers all you want. It's the fastball. It's that natural rise in the fastball, the natural cut in the fastball that generates so many swings and misses. But Freddie Peralta working in the curveball a lot more on Tuesday night as well, throwing it for strikes. And if he can continue to develop that pitch, it's only going to make him that much better moving forward. Some exciting stuff for Freddie Peralta. Let's go down on the farm. Checking in on the farm. as we check the Brewers minor leagues let's start by giving you the records in AAA Colorado Springs 42 and 34 for the Sky Sox three games back in the American Northern Division of the PCL double A Biloxi of course won the first half in the South Division of the Southern League they are right now tied for first in that division at four and two in the second half and uh, overall they are 46 and 31 on the season for the Shuckers class A advanced Carolina three and two in the second half they went 34 and 36 in their first half and class A Wisconsin is two and four in the second half they went 31 and 38 in the first half the Helena Brewers season has gotten underway in the northern division of the Pioneer League they are off to a six and five start and the Arizona League Brewers are five and three to start in the rookie Arizona League as well let's jump through some of the important performances from some of the Brewers prospects down in the minor leagues and let's start in double A where Keston Hira continues to hit and he continues to hit doubles he went one for four on Tuesday with a run a double and a steal he has reached base in 19 of 20 starts with the Shuckers so far he's hitting 361 he's reached base in each of his last 11 starts has a couple of home runs in that span as well he has 11 doubles in 22 games so far for the Biloxi Shockers. Keston Hira, last year's first round draft pick, acting like it and performing like it so far. Lucas Ursig is also starting to really heat up in double A. Went one for two with a double and an RBI on Tuesday night. He has a five game hitting streak going right now. He's eight for 21 over the course of that stretch. And if you go back to May 25th, he's hitting 297 with six doubles, a triple, three home runs, and 17 driven in. That's a, a far cry from that 206 average that he started the season with. So Lucas Ersig starting to get it going, and that's an encouraging thing. We stay in Biloxi with some of the big performances. Zach Brown had that near perfect game just a, a couple of weeks ago. He tossed six and two thirds in the Shuckers win over Chattanooga on Monday. He allowed two runs on seven hits, three walks, five strikeouts. He has allowed two runs or fewer in 10 of his last 12 starts. 
He's gone 6-0 with a 1-8-9 ERA over the course of that span. And then we jump all the way down to the Arizona League. Micah Bello has hit safely in six games since he got signed by the Brewers after being drafted by the crew in June. He's 11 for 27, seven runs, three triples, six driven in. He has an OPS north of 1,000. And uh, he was uh, a big prospect when the Brewers selected him. They liked his potential, and he is so far tearing up the Arizona League. We'll see if he ends up in the Pioneer League before his season is all said and done. Really encouraging stuff for Micah Bell. And, of course, we know Joe Gray Jr. signed last week with the Brewers, and he is now also playing alongside Micah Bello down in the Arizona League for the Arizona League Brewers. So that's going to be a name to keep an eye on as well for the crew in Joe Gray Jr. Pretty exciting stuff all the way around for the Brewers minor leagues. Cam Regner, we told you that he started the Carolina League All-Star game last week. I had a chance to sit down with him before that start. Lane Grindle with you from Five County Stadium in North Carolina. Tonight, the Carolina League All-Star Game. And for the South squad, getting the ball is Brewers left-handed prospect Cam Regner from Beloit, Wisconsin originally. So it has to mean a little bit more for you to have that ball and club logo. Uh, yes, sir. Um, like I've said, it's been an honor to get drafted by the Brewers, grew up a fan, and just to have that M on my chest and on my, uh, my bags and stuff and be performing performing well is really cool. What has been the difference for you this year? You've taken a, a step forward. You're having one of the better years in minor league baseball of any pitcher right now. What, what's been the key for you to get to this point? I think it's just trying to stay even keel throughout the year. Um, just don't let bad, bad things that I can't control bother me. I'm trying to fill up the zone. Um, keep my misses small, miss around the plate. Um, and really, Max has done a great job behind the dish, throwing out pretty much everybody who's on base. Um, defense has played well. It's just been a fun year. What is it like to have a guy like Max McDowell, who has gotten the promotion now to double-A, but to be able to pitch to a guy like that, that you know he's going to take some guys off the base paths for you and minimize some of your mistakes because of that? Yeah, no doubt. There's a ton of things that Max does well. Um, obviously, his throwout percentage is awesome. But just his composure behind the plate keeps you calm. Um, he calls a great game, retains information on hitters well. And really all those things put together. He also blocks well, so you can trust him to bury some breaking balls. Um, yeah, he just he's rock solid back there for us. Cam, let's talk about your stuff a little bit. In the offseason, as you were preparing for 2018, what were the things you wanted to do with your collection of pitches to get them ready for the season? And how do you feel like that's carried over? I think the biggest thing going into the offseason for me was to make sure I was healthy and I could take the ball every every fifth day, which I've been able to do, and that's what I've been most happy with. Um, other than that, it's just trying to throw strikes, mix all four pitches in the zone, um, keep hitters off balance. If you can do that, you can have a lot of success. What does it mean to you to get the ball to start the Carolina League All-Star game? That's a pretty cool accomplishment. Yeah, it's a huge honor. There's a ton of good players in this league and even on our team, some guys that deserve to be here as well that didn't get the chance and so just to be honored among them it's it's really special. You had a scoreless streak that spanned over four starts earlier this year. Uh, it climbed quite a ways up there from an inning standpoint too. Uh, the groove you were in at that point in time, what, what was going through your mind in between starts as you're getting yourself prepared for each start? Yeah, it was like you said, it was just a groove that I was in and I was feeling pretty good. Um, we also, you need a lot of breaks. You need a lot of guys to make plays for you in a streak like that. And we threw a couple guys out on home, at home on sack flies and did a lot of things to keep that streak alive that weren't all me. 
What has Bob Malacky meant to you, uh, the pitching coach here for Carolina? Yeah, he's been unbelievable. He he works really hard every day. Um, whether you're a top five prospect in the organization or a senior who's maybe one of the bottom guys in the bullpen, he, he sees big league potential in everybody. And just the effort that he brings every day, I think, carries over to our staff. What do you think this season so far, it's halfway through it, but what do you think this season so far has done for you in terms of opening people's eyes and putting you on the map? Yeah, I mean, that's something every day you have a chance to kind of prove yourself to somebody and just trying to go out and compete and not worry about those things as much because it, it's tough. Um, you want to move up, you want to do things, but you also know that there's a bigger picture, there's things that happen, and uh, just keep your nose to the grindstone and keep working hard. To get the start in the All-Star game and to get to throw to Max McDowell, who you've developed a very good relationship yeah. with, does it mean a little bit more that, that you two are making up the battery to start the game? Absolutely. I, I wouldn't want to be out there without him uh, today because he definitely deserves it, and I'm very excited to throw to him. Well, Cam, we appreciate it. Thanks yeah, so much. Thank Congratulations you. on a great thank year so far. Thank you very much. Cam Regner with us here, Beloit, Wisconsin native, getting the start for the South Squad in the Carolina League All-Star Game here at Five County Stadium. I'm Lane Grindle. Here's what's on tap. Well, here's what's on tap for the crew. It is 4th of July week when the Brewers get back from Cincinnati and back-to-back -back series versus the Twins and Braves over the course of that homestand. Starts Monday, July 2nd, runs through Sunday, July the 8th. Brewers and Twins on Monday the 2nd. That's a 7-10 start. Brewers wall flag handed out to the first 10,000 fans 21 and over courtesy of Miller Lite. Then on Tuesday, July the 3rd, that's a 3-10 start. Brewers tank top to the first 20,000 fans courtesy of Pick and Save. Wednesday, July 4th, that's a 3-10 start for Independence Day. Dollar hot dogs on that day. And then the Brewers and Braves, that series starts up on Thursday, July 5th, Friday the 6th, Saturday the 7th, and Sunday the 8th. And all sorts of great giveaways. You've got a five-county Friday in there on the 6th. you got Cerveceros Day presented by Aurora Healthcare on the 7th. That's a 3-10 start. And then on Sunday the 8th, Robin Yount, 1970s replica jersey. That is a 1-10 start as well. To view the full schedule and reserve your tickets, visit Brewers.com today. That is going to do it for us in this week's edition of Brewers on Tap, episode number 123 in the books. We'll talk to you again next week. We'll be right back here at Miller Park getting ready for Independence Day here in Milwaukee. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle.